You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. podcast my name's oz davis i'm your co-host for the show which originally was going to be titled are the montreal alouettes good but i guess we're going to retitle that show are the montreal alouettes going to be playing next week joining me as always at the suggester of the alouette centric headline for the show is my co-host joe pritchard Joe, talk to me. How depressed should I be? That really depends on how you view Vernon Adams Jr. at this point, I guess. <laughs> uh, wow. Because there's been a lot of stuff going on in Montreal that we didn't really have a handle on. And we probably still don't, because things keep coming out, you know, hour by hour, it feels like sometimes. So we pr- we're probably going to be... Uh, behind the times by the time we post this thing but uh, uh, just to give a brief brief synopsis of what's out there and what's what we know for sure is that Camus Reed is no longer the GM of the Montreal Alouettes what else we know is a lot of speculation and from very good sources people that are trustworthy but it nothing's been confirmed by the league besides this uh so the speculation is there's salary cap issues uh circumventions going on with 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 dummy companies there's uh cavis reed <laughs> wow. spending money on personal expenses out of the montreal accounts there's players being cut that were tight with cavis which leads to Further speculation of how tight were they and what were they doing, like Steph Logan being cut today. And uh, the one of the quotes I saw from one of the beat writers was, Steph Logan believed himself to be untouchable last year. Hmm, I wonder why he'd be untouchable. Uh, maybe there's where there's smoke, there's fire. Again, all speculation, but given the amount of just crazy crazy news out there there's bound to be speculation about those sorts of things right now it sounds like a full-blown conspiracy uh we also should point out to further compound the insanity of this situation um this firing okay now correct me if i'm wrong but this firing was undertaken by patrick both boy bovin the uh the president of the Alouettes, who is commanding a headless team, right? Right. Okay. So his still what no he ownership said is that uh, there are facts that came out to him within the last few weeks that made this a necessary step. So that's what he says about it. Uh, other people aren't so sure he was the one that made the call. Uh, there's speculation that new ownership is wanting. Uh, a clean house before they step into it 
there are, I believe the Lancosts will be in town next week, and I guess the hope is that they'll go ahead and buy the team after all this. So we shall see how Okay. Oh, okay. Alright, well, it might be a lot more simple than all this stuff. Might very I mean, what's, well be, what's but your there's opinion? a lot what's of stuff. There's a lot of smoke. <laughs> uh, well, usually yeah. when there's this much smoke, there's a fire somewhere. So something's going wrong. Uh, and to lend all that some more credence, uh, I love Kirk Penton's articles in The Athletic every week because he always talks to the insiders. Uh, let me just grab a few of the tasty tidbits from this week that may lend some you're kidding me. The Athletic covers the CFL? Yeah, Kirk Benton has a weekly column, and uh, no Sean wow, Fitzgerald I will weigh never, in from time to time, too. I never knew that. Wow. Uh, that's dope. Yeah, that's, 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 the insiders, okay. that's the insiders column that Kirk Benton okay. uh, writes and moved over to the Athletic. Uh, let's just take a quick peek here. Uh, there was a couple of things that really... Uh, stood out to be in regards to this situation. Uh, one of the insiders says, "I don't have time for all that internet crap." But one of our own, one of our guys told me they're saying chemistry got fired in Montreal about some salary cap thing, which lends credence to this okay. being about the cap. Okay. When I played, when I played, we all knew Montreal was paying Anthony Calvillo a lot more than his league contract. Maybe the cap rules only matter after the private owner leaves. To be honest, I remember those rumors. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> and so. as for the fact that this may be something potentially more widespread, we're trying to figure out how Edmonton is going to make the cap. Now, well, that what? doesn't say that doesn't say that Edmonton's doing anything wrong, obviously, but they have a lot of players that are making a lot of money. So well, the fact that that's being brought up isn't a surprise. But at the same time, with in in this time frame to be bringing that up, you gotta wonder a little bit, right? Well, well, I mean, come on, Joy. <laughs> How far removed are we from Chris Jones' revolving door? I mean, what at points in that season, like last year, the year before, you had to, what ninety-one guys on the roster. Come on now. How do you do this? <laughs> you know, I mean, the salaries are so low in the CFL. I mean, it's not surprising that there are ways around this. It's not surprising when you're paying what is, I mean, look, in the NBA, this has always been one of the arguments against guys signing for the Toronto Raptors, right? It's taxes. Okay, so on top of the taxes in Canada, which are European compared to American taxes and American tax dodges that you can apply, right? Um, it's not surprising that you have ways to get around that. It's not surprising that they're using offshore companies to get paid through. I mean, geez, that's like a 20, 30, 40% bonus. Why wouldn't you do that at some point? So, but on the other hand, I mean, okay, uh, Kayvon hasn't come out and said anything yet. I mean, on this, right? I mean, okay, I guess we should say at this point for 
for posterity's sake. We're recording this around, what, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard on the 17th, which is Wednesday for the Thursday, the 18th release of the podcast. Um, he hasn't said anything about why he got fired, has he? No, and uh, the, uh, the team isn't commenting further either, I believe. Is the Players the Association thing. saying anything about the cuts? The PA saying nothing at this okay. point. They, right. Right. The t- I, don't, I think the team said that they couldn't go into further detail due to legal issues, which lends credence to some of the rumors as well. At least the rumors of money being spent not correctly, let's just say that. Because all of these are... All, all we truly know is he got fired, and there's a lot of smoke about it. Could be a scapegoat, too. Could be a Could scapegoat. Could very well be a scapegoat, but my thought is, you don't. why would you pull the trigger now? <laughs> be, instead of before the season when they cleaned out Sherman, why not go and clean, it, clean that out, too, unless you had no reason to that? Uh, because please buy the team. Please buy the team before the U.S. dollar collapses and takes the Canadian dollar with it. You know, I mean, that's why. Isn't it? I mean, isn't this please buy the team? Yeah, I'm not an economist. I don't know. But, (laughs) yeah. But given all the craziness, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you would think. I mean, that's why you would pull the trigger now, though, right? I mean, it's got to be. What's bigger than, you know, the team president making a move like that when there's no owner. Um, paving the way for the new owner. Like, maybe there's this backroom thing where it's like, get rid of this guy, get rid of this guy, clean house. And, and that then was we'll see. very, very much the speculation as soon right. as the firing happened. Right. But then more started to trickle out. Okay. What do you consider more off of what is in the CFL big money? What do you consider more than that? Well, like I said, the uh, they announced the firing, and everybody's right. going, "Oh, this must be to pave the way for the new owner to step in, right? Okay, and bring in their own guy, and not have to pay Cavus, and then all the other rumors start. Okay, such as such as everything we've just been over. <laughs> okay, all right. What do you just personally? Just what would be your hot take? I mean, you're sitting there with Stephen A. on ESPN, and you got to talk CFL football. What's your hot take on this one? My guess is that given that the team lost $12.5 million last year, which I thought was a typo the first time I saw it, yeah, they didn't really have a good control on their money situation, did they? Well, I, I mean, I don't want to go too far off the rails here, but look, big sports – seems to be in trouble and in that i would include the cfl i mean i saw the crowds last week they weren't great they weren't great in places other than bc in places you know like saskatchewan you know the attendance has not been great this year um it's getting to the point we're talking about a few thousand tickets uh a game as opposed to you still got the tv money coming in your salary cap if you're abiding by it is only so much how are you losing more than twice or more than twice the salary cap in one season well geez i i saw a thing joe where your packers only turned a profit of like a million dollars last year yeah 
there's a, yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of hiding money in that situation, I'm sure. But why would you, you declare a $12.5 million loss right before oh. you decide you're not going to carry the team around anymore? Wouldn't oh, I'm you, not suggesting wouldn't that Wouldn't you hide said. that if you want to try to sell the team? Wouldn't you just say, hey, we lost a couple million, but, you know, the team isn't doing all that great on the field. If they do better, they'll be profitable and sell it that way. I think they got no reason to. I, 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 you know, they got no reason to hide it. If, if, if they tried to hide it, it would be pretty obvious to any buyer, I think. You know? I mean, nobody's stupid. Nobody is gonna think that the Alouettes are a better draw than the Canadians in Montreal. Yeah, that still brings and, me back to, you're only paying the players, like, five to six million dollars if you're close to the cap. Where's the extra half of that coming from? <laughs> How many Americans on a CFL roster? <laughs> uh, I want to say three quarterbacks, 20 right. internationals, and 21 Canadians, and now a global. Okay, so potentially twenty three guys, and what's the what's what's the highest salary you can get? Like let's say half a million. Uh, Riley's mean, making like seven, seven to seven fifty, but they don't have Mike Riley on their team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So I would, yeah. I mean, I mean, automatically somebody was talking about this, and I wish I could remember who it was. Perhaps it was. To and out, but perhaps it was just the guys on TSN where they were saying that, okay, the CFL is running into this issue now where the players, especially the American players, are expecting more than the average salary. They're expecting more than the max salary that the CFL is giving right now. And this situation is not being helped by these fly-by-night leagues that are promising, like, more than that, or more exposure in America, which is what a lot of these American players want. So, you know, it, it's almost like, I feel like the CFL is almost at this breaking point. Maybe they're going to have to adjust the roster so that there's more Canadians on there. But the yeah, truth I is, these salaries are I, not making American players happy. No, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not. But there's... A, I feel like the finances of the CFL are going to be tenuous and probably, you know, not too far from tipping the wrong way for as long as we're going to know this league. Because at one point, they were literally just bleeding out money. Uh, now oh, they're yeah. not, which is great, but how quickly could that change? I know what they need. If TSN comes back on the next TV deal and says, well, we didn't make as much as we thought, so here's half of what we were giving you. Take it or leave it. Where's the league at that point? Uh, They're going to take it. They'll take it, but then you're going to see a lot more young players trying to play for their shot at the NFL as opposed to teams signing Odell Willis again for the next year. Or going after a big free agent quarterback. They're not going to have the money to do that. If that I don't think if the if the if the way that the finances are set now changes dramatically. Hmm. 
I don't know. You would think that TSN won't cut their contract in half, right? Because TSN is making money selling this to ESPN. Right. And, they are. Right. And that so, was an example of saying this is how tenuous the league situation is. It could change by one thing changing. But well, I don't, okay, but, but I don't. But that see, one thing I could be the relationship with ESPN. That could be it. That that's could not going to be it. For one. And I think that's why Ambrosi is doing what he's doing with the mm. uh, with the uh, glo- with the global reach, trying to get more solidified um, fi- uh, finances. He's trying to get more money coming in that they weren't seeing before, which is a great right. idea, and I'm completely behind that idea. Right. Uh, what I'm, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, yeah, it, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get rich sitting here owning a CFL team, but I don't know how you lose twelve and a half million in one season either. <laughs> uh, but it could, but things can change. The atmosphere of the league, or the basis of the league's revenues has taken dramatic changes in the past, mm-hmm. and it's caused chaos. It could happen again. I could see that. But until that happens, I can't see how you lose more than you should be spending in players twice. Because I know that there are other expenses. But are you I, really saying you don't have any revenue coming in? I don't understand that. There's probably a lot of loyalty here. There's probably a lot of nepotism here. It's probably like, I'm going to take care of you. There's a lot of that stuff going on here. And, because, maybe, and maybe there's a reason why there's a coach's cap now. <laughs> Good point. Um, I, uh, you, you know, I was just thinking about this today. Is that uh, the Alouettes in the offseason, after last season, they were shredded. They had nothing. They had nothing on their roster going into this offseason. And they came away with a pretty decent team. And in fact, the last two games have shown a lot of that decent team, at least on defense. But we'll get to that shortly. Um, so so it occurred to me that, yeah, okay, how are they doing this? <laughs> so if there were some salary cap violations, I would not be surprised. If this is an example of a coach just trying to take care of his players by way of a tax dodge, I would not be surprised. And if somebody got irritated, like the league officials got irritated because this represents trying to screw the Canadian government out of money, yeah, I could see why they'd be upset too. So, you know, it's it's kind of one of those situations where, where I'm a little bit sympathetic to all sides. I, I just want to see how it shakes out on the field because right now my, my Alouettes are playing well, man. And we're going well. And we're going back to my original answer to your question. How much do you trust Vernon Adams Jr. to run your team? <laughs> okay. Because he's doing I, it he's doing it pretty well right now. Well, okay. Okay, should we just go right to that? Should we just, should we just skip well, we can't skip both of these games, but let's let's fast forward to Montreal uh, 36 at Ottawa 19. Great win for the Alouettes for this season, that's for sure. Now, again, you originally wanted to pause it at the top of this podcast, is Montreal good? But let me tell you this. Here's my first hot take. They're good enough to be 2-1 in the East, man. They're in third place. If the playoffs started today, they'd have a home game. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and it's making me feel a whole lot better about saying eight ten at the beginning of the season. Yep, I can tell there you, you go. Much. 
That that uh, that prediction is aging well, Joe. You did well on that, Padawan. Very nice. Um, I don't. Well, we were gonna talk about levels in this league, and you could almost take the opinion that right now, right now, this week, as we record this podcast, that there are four good teams, there are four bad teams, and then there are the Alouettes. Uh, I am just not quite sure where they are. The defense looks great. Okay. The defense looks really good in, in my opinion. Um, now, as I was watching this game, I was thinking, okay, Vernon Adams career day. <laughs> and sure enough, that's what the headlines all say. Here's the stats 23 of 30 for 327 and two touchdowns. Um, the heretofore unknown rookie out of Auburn, Quan Bray, also, I would say, had a career day or his first, his breakout game, let's hope. Uh, five catches for 134 yards, including that long touchdown. I think it was like 75 yards or something, which was the exact opposite of the one we saw in Edmonton, in the Edmonton game. But we can talk about that later. Yeah, that, um, that's going to make our buddy Ron happy, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure i mean i thought this was incredible because uh this was and i mean i remember adams at oregon um uh, this was the longest ball i think i've ever seen him throw was on that touchdown to Quan bray um but i don't know you know i still I'm feeling a little bit skeptical. Uh, I just wanted to say this. I'll pass the mic to you in just a sec, Joe. But I just wanted to say this. Um, because Joe and I suck for the past two weeks, we have not talked about Luc Brodejandin, who retired as a player in week four. Um, actually had a really interesting game in week four, left the game and then had to come back in and play center, which is not his usual position and, and played really well, actually. And the Alouettes got their first win of the season in that game. As of last week, he took over as, as an assistant line coach. Let's hope he doesn't get fired. Let's hope he's not one of the dominoes that falls, although I doubt it. Um, uh, and and I'd like to think that he had a role in the Alouette's offensive line performance, which really gave Adams a lot of time in the pocket, only allowed one sack, by far their best performance of the year, and playing without Broder Jodan. <laughs> so, so good on them. Uh, but I don't know, Joe, what do you think? Are the Alouettes good, and if so, how good are they? Really kind of hard to say yet. But they're trending in the right direction, obviously. They have, they are playing well. Are they good? That's a good question. But well, the defense let me talk is good. About, the yeah. defense is good, right? And, and the I defense mean, has been something that, except for maybe a year or two recently, has always been something that's kept them in the playoff hunt. Mm -hmm. uh, so if that, if the defense gets back to what they used to be, we're, they're sitting pretty in the East right now. Um, just going back at the beginning of the season, they had a late rally against Mon against Edmonton. Uh, that's a game that they got off to a slow start and couldn't quite keep up. But if they were if they were giving Edmonton a game at the end, that's got to tell you a little bit of something. And then yeah, they got smoked by Hamilton in Hamilton. But Hamilton's really good. 
<laughs> a three out of four games where you're showing up and giving teams a run for it. I as a Montreal fan, I'd be sitting there going, "Yeah, maybe we got something here." Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, they defended home court, right? As they say to mix a sports metaphor, which I usually hate doing, by the way. <laughs> they defended home court. I mean, yeah, they lost to Hamilton straight up, but then they won the next week. Jesus, they were double digit uh, underdogs in both those games. They were double-digit underdogs at home. You know, that's some disrespect. And they, and they came back and they won outright. So, you know, and again, like I said, they're 2-1 and one against their division. You can't really – I mean, they're 1-0 at home. You can't do much better than that. I mean, if this I, is what you're supposed I, to do in the CFL. Told, if I would have told you after four games, you're going to be 2-2 two and two and 2-1 two and one in the division, you wouldn't turn that down, would you have? Um. Uh, no, but I'd be figuring out the mathematics because I would have bet that both of those Hamilton games were losses. <laughs> so let's hope I didn't break down the schedule too much. Now, also involved in this game, rumor has it, was the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, not exactly a fantastic performance here. Uh, in fact, really disappointing, in my opinion. It's interesting because if you go to the official website, uh, they try and make it sound like they made a game of it. But wow, this was one of the few Alouettes games where I was rarely uh, worried. Worried. <laughs> yeah, I was really in doubt uh, that the Alouettes were actually going to win. Uh, my two takeaways uh, from this game are, hey, Again, we got to say it. Kudos to Lewis Ward. He's now tied with Roger Maris at 61 consecutive field goals uh, in the regular season in the CFL, as Josh uh, would have us say, lest we forget. And uh, my other takeaway is this, man. If Brad, if Brad Sinopoli were here in the States, he'd probably be demanding a trade to the Lakers by now. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, and putting ourselves in the same seat as we did with Montreal – if you're an Ottawa fan, you're probably pretty nervous. Oh, you are bummed. Because you are bummed. You shouldn't have won in week one. Just so that was such a goofy Calgary game. Calgary was awful. Calgary was awful. You weren't so hot yourselves, but you were. You got you got the one extra bounce in a game that nobody wanted to win, and then you, your defense gave up 41 to Saskatchewan and the. And they haven't come, <laughs> and, and yeah. And then Saskatchewan, Toronto, Toronto too. But that's Toronto. I mean, really. Yes. Uh, yes. But now we're starting to wonder who Saskatchewan is. So, and then after that, after that two and zero start, it's looked a lot worse as we go. I guess. I guess this is a good gut check. You know, this is a really good time this week four, five, six to take a stock of the league here because again. If we calm down and we remember, the Red Blacks got shredded in the offseason, yeah. right? They got destroyed, and everyone is going, oh, my God, they lost the offseason. You know, winners, BC Lions, ha-ha, Edmonton Eskimos, you know, losers, Ottawa Red Blacks. And we forgot that for a little while because, yeah, Calgary did not show up to week one. They, that was their most disappointing game of the season. I don't think there's any dispute about that. There won't be, I think, through the end of the season, probably. And, you know, they've, they've stumbled their way to a two and two. Um, but and, and it's and it's funny to think that right now, right now, they would be in the playoffs, right? They, they would be in there playing Montreal. 
right? Yeah, there'd be no crossover. <laughs> okay. I really don't think that's going to happen if this team stays together the way it is. Um, let's all I let's all sober up on the Red Box a little bit and realize that yeah, they really did get killed in this offseason and I think now this is kind of like their uh reset to the first season. Yeah, I was actually on the Wood Cookie cast uh, that came out earlier today, which when you oh, listen cool. to this would be to, would be yesterday. So go find that. Uh, oh, Rod did a really good job at the start, just going and saying, "Yeah, it's time for things to get better," but at the same time, guys, hang in there. <laughs> well, yeah, possibly. I mean, look, we know that. I mean, again, if you look at the playoffs today, it looks not insane. But I don't believe it's going to end up that way. Um, and so, you know, one of these teams, two of these teams, three, four of these teams are going to flip. You know, uh, Winnipeg is not going to stay undefeated. I'm sorry, Joe. Are you still under that delusion? I never really was under that delusion. Okay. But, okay. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I haven't caught Ryanitis yet, but ask me in week 10. <laughs> see, see, that's one of those that's one of those trick questions like, you know, how long has it been since you stopped beating your wife? You know, it's just like, are you still deluded about the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Anyway, let's rewind the tape to the beginning of last weekend's games and uh, let's talk about Edmonton Eskimos. Or let's not. Edmonton Eskimos 33, BC Lions 6. Hey, guess what? It's time for me to get off the BC Lions bandwagon, which is bad news for actually which is good news for bc lions fans because of course i always get off the bandwagon and on at the wrong time um i mean okay here's bc <laughs> right now we're what they're are they oh and five at this point yet one and four uh, remember, okay that's right Toronto that's right they won on the roost they won on the roost right yeah. the feric win Yes, of course. Okay. Now, what really bothers me, and you can look at a lot of bad stats on these guys, including the fact that they're averaging the least number of points besides the Argos, which are barely a team, and that the BC defense is giving up 32 points a game, despite the fact that Devon Claybrooks, okay, here's a guy who had a great cup defense three years in a row. His guys are giving up 32 points a game. Joe, let's ask it again. What the hell is going on? Well, they can't block anybody. So the offense is not on the field very long. Riley's getting his butt kicked. And then yeah. the defense is playing a lot. So yeah. I, I think the defensive number may be a little bit uh, a little bit quirky at the moment. But at the same time, it's not like they're going out and keeping the game close either uh, when it comes to, well, this one in particular. Uh, they also played Edmonton earlier this year and got off to a 17-3 to lead, and then Edmonton figured them out. And right. they BC couldn't, couldn't figure out a way to change that from, what was it, week two? Yeah, it was week two where Edmonton just went crazy on them in the second half, and they just kept doing it, and BC had no answers for it. And yeah. this was three weeks later. Yeah, and they haven't been the same since, no. as far as I'm concerned. I mean, BC Lions scored single-digit points with Riley in there. Okay, yeah, I think you hit it dead on with, with the line as well. You know, here we go. They're giving up five sacks in this game. Uh, John White, again, perpetually can't get going this season. Just 77 total yards. 20-some-odd of those are passing. So not exactly doing 
the job that he was signed to do as a big money running back isn't exactly a, a popular expense these days. But let's talk about Edmonton. Joe, for a long time, your attitude's kind of been like, uh, it is what it is. Um, again, okay, this game, you're going to love this. All right, this game, here we go. Here's the stat line on these guys. Okay, the stat line says that Trevor Harris had a 77-yard touchdown pass to a die, right? But you watched the game, right? Yeah, enough to know that that was not really a 77-yard pass. That was no. a basically a run play that happened to break free. And, right. And, <laughs> hey, let's let's give him a praise for making that kind of thing happen. Because okay. that was the kind of thing that they weren't doing against the Bombers. They weren't getting that guy to the next level. It was, here, take the ball short, and then, oh, look, it's third down. Because that was... But the Bombers seem to have organization on defense. That's what I'm talking about. The Lions. It's not just the fact that they're out of breath because they have to play 32, 35 minutes on the field. It's not just that. It's the fact that when that second level is hit, all of a sudden it's chaos. All of a sudden you got a bunch of guys who don't know how to play football anymore. You know, I mean... It's insane. That's what's driving me nuts about this. Um, the stat on that was, yeah, 77 yards after the catch. It was it was one for one for zero yards completion and then 77 yards after the catch. So if he had thrown that half a yard shorter, it would have been a 77-yard run from a die. So aside from that, okay, here are the numbers. 20 of 27 for 199 yards. Plus, Trevor Harris runs one in. Okay, so, Joe, is your take still, it is what it is on Edmonton? Yeah, I'd like to see a couple more weeks on them, but I'm starting to trend toward they are go- they're, they're better than I gave them credit for at the beginning of the season. Okay. Uh, but, I think Saturday's game is going to be very, it's going to give us a clearer picture of who both the Eskimos and the Alouettes are. Mm-hmm. Because then Edmonton goes and hosts Toronto and then goes to Calgary. Uh, so they're going to have some pretty numbers going into Calgary, and we'll get an yeah. be- uh, even better sense of who they are then. But this is going to be a very important one, because if they get this one, they're looking at 5-1 and one going into Calgary, which is... Uh, for, which is exactly where they want to be, given Calgary's already got two losses. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking going into this podcast, actually, is that that Edmonton-Montreal game this week is a big one. That That's a big deal. Um, this is going to be one of the most surprising offenses in the league versus one of the most surprising defenses in the league, I think. Um the numbers, if you go to the team stats page on CFL.ca, the official website of the league, um, you'd be surprised. Edmonton is winning almost every category, even over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, except, of course, points per game. But we're talking plays per game, yards per game, first downs per game. Um, Edmonton, this Edmonton offense is kicking butt. And the one that surprised me the most, yards per play. Would you believe Edmonton is leading the league? <laughs> they, they must have fewer negative 
yard plays than any other team. They must have fewer incompletions than any other team because this is one of the lowest watt winning teams I've seen in the CFL. Yeah, they're they're very consistently moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to and out. They are getting a few first downs every single drive. Uh, if they could, if they could stretch that just a little bit more, I'm worried. I'm worried as the Bombers in the last mm-hmm. uh, right now. Still, kind of looking at them with the side eye at the moment, going, "Are you guys going to catch us?" But not until. And this is a problem I had with the Harris offense for the last couple of years. Not until they can punch it in more, because Lewis Ward kicked off. A lot of field goals last year. <laughs> a lot of them. He's if kicked it, a lot this year, yes, too. Yes, he has. Uh, if if Harris could put, you know, even one or two more of those in the in the end zone over the course of a month, that's a big change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, oh, don't forget, too, by the way, since, since everything revolves around the Bombers, that uh, they haven't even played the Stamps yet. So, but they have played the Toronto Argonauts, who they beat last week, 48 to 21. I gotta say, John, pretty disappointed that you guys let up 21 points to the Argonauts. Yeah, but none of them were at a time <laughs> where it actually mattered, so I'm okay with that. Uh, the game was really over in the first couple of drives, and I yeah. think I think at one point uh, Matt Nichols had thrown one pass for a touchdown, and the Bombers were up 14 nothing. So. At that point, it's like, well, uh, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy three hours of this. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit uh, outclassed. The Argonauts were on that day, so uh, we're going to we're just going to go straight on and like close out the week with what was. I guess it was the best game. It was certainly the weirdest game. Um, Hamilton Tiger Cats defend home court. Against the Calgary Stampeders, 30 to 23. Uh, of course, this game was all about the special teams. And my view on that is when this hap, excuse me, when this happens, and in this game, you have the situation where Calgary scores the touchdown on the blocked punt from the four yard line or some crazy stuff like that. This is answered. By William Likely with a kickoff return for a touchdown. Later on, Brandon Banks, who had a killer game. Uh, he turns a potential rouge into a touchdown. Um, I think that in a game like this, anybody can win. Yeah. Would you say if, so, Joe? I mean, you've into, played enough tabletop. If you're going to get into a special teams battle, don't get into one with Hamilton. That's mm-hmm. a bad idea. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And as you see, they outdid it on the special teams. But here's another interesting thing. You notice that Paradise and Hyralahu combined for 0 for 3 on field goals. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> Whoops, that didn't go well. Quite, quite the bizarre game. Now, I guess the question is not, is Hamilton among the top two, three teams in the league? Because we've been working under that premise all season. But what about Calgary? What does this say about the Stampeders? Well, remember that they're that they're sharp bow Levi. I think that would have made a difference in this one. I I just feel like he would have been able to put the game away in this case. But 
so far with Arbuckle, we've got, well, one starting win, one relief win, and then going into a very tough place to play and darn near pulling it out. So I'm not terribly worried about Calgary yet. The record doesn't look great, uh, but they got Toronto this week. They go to Ottawa in week seven, and I think we'll see more about who they really are in week eight against Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so Edmonton is the measuring stick for everybody this season. <laughs> they got to be the stick for the Alouettes, the Stamps, and the Bombers so far. Uh, right, so um, yeah, Arbuckle is an interesting case in this game. Of course, this game being as weird as it was, he turned in a weird stat line of 24 for 40, 368 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. So, and let's see, I believe, yep, uh, zero rushing yards. So, bit of a strange game for Arbuckle there, as well as everybody else. But I kind of like what he's doing. I mean, again, he's like spreading out the ball like crazy. I've got, what, nine receivers in this game? Uh, nine different receivers? The CFL doesn't, re- doesn't record it when somebody gets a target but not a reception. But I can't imagine that he threw to more than nine guys. In any case, that's impressive. That's Bo Levy ball, right? That's Stamps football. So I'm not going to take away too much from this game negatively about the Stamps. I mean, they are playing in Hamilton, like you said. Uh, this is against the East. So, you know, the apocalypse isn't going to come if they lose this game, uh, as opposed to the Edmonton game, of course, when it will. But... Uh, I'm not too worried about it myself. Any other takeaways from last week? No, I think we're good on last week. And just sitting here trying to wrap my head around uh, just exactly where to put the two and two teams. And I think we'll we'll get a sense of it this week, but I don't think we're fully going to have answers for a few more. Okay, on that, what I consider optimistic note, let's head into the break. Right back after this. All right, we are back. You are listening to the Bruce White and Blue CFL podcast. My name is Oz Davis. My co-host is. Joe Pritchard. Joe, let's pick next week's games. According to the sports book, we got some mismatches, but we got a couple of really good ones. Well, one good one, a couple of really close ones. Let's put it that way. Uh, we're starting off the week with something of a dud. I guess the only question is Toronto, 11.5 point underdogs at the Stampeders. Can the Argonauts keep it to within two touchdowns? Personally, I doubt it. Me too. I mean, I think the only thing that's going to stop the Stamps from running up the score, or at least scoring points, is themselves. Uh, however, I would not necessarily, for anybody playing the sportsbook, betting the over, whatever it is. You probably don't want to bet it in this game, because I just don't believe Toronto's going to score that many points. Right, that was easy. Let's go to the next one, which I suspect will be just as easy for you. Ottawa Red Blacks plus 10. 10-point underdogs at Winnipeg. Winnipeg? There's, well, yeah, Winnipeg. The wild card in this one will be Jonathan Jennings, because we've seen Dominic Davis. He's mm-hmm. out this week with injuries, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So Jennings will get the start. 
Uh, we haven't seen what he can do in an Alouette uniform yet. We know that he was becoming a disappointment in BC. Does a new atmosphere help? Does he bring something to the table that the Bombers aren't expecting or haven't just haven't quite got the right tape combination with between him and what Ottawa has for weapons? I don't think that I don't think it's gonna make a big change, but if all of a sudden Ottawa goes completely off, I think I know why. I've always given Jennings the benefit of the doubt because he looked pretty good in Edmonton. And to me, I always felt like he wasn't Wally Buono's guy. So he didn't quite get a fair shake there. However, he did get lots of opportunities to start. And he was one of the most wildly inconsistent quarterbacks I've seen with that much skill in a long time. So he could do some damage here. However... Tempering my any enthusiasm I might have for him is why did they wait so long without this guy? How did he lose the starting job in Ottawa in the offseason to a dude who's basically been a backup for seven or eight years? You know, how did this happen? So I'm wondering what they didn't see in Jennings uh, that kept him out of the lineup. But I guess we'll, we'll see this week. I can't expect too many great things about, uh, I'm sorry, from Ottawa, but as a better, I wouldn't bet this game because who knows what might happen. Percentage that uh, Winnipeg might lose? Ten. If they get on the field and they play the way they're capable of playing, I don't see them losing. Uh, they haven't really had that game yet, though, where they come out and are just flat. So that that's, that's true. lurking. That's, that's lurking true. somewhere, and it's going to be somebody you don't expect. I mean, and we're crossing Labor Day off of this because Labor Day is like a fully gong show for them. <laughs> uh, we're just I'm just putting that one in the alcohol. That's why they're not right. going to go 18 and 0, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't even think they. I don't. I don't. I don't quite have the feel that they're one of the teams we'll be talking about for 20, 30 years quite yet, but uh, there is one just what happened loss hanging out there that's not Labor Day. Uh, yeah, it could be. And it could happen any time, so I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm going to go by the farm on this one, but at the same time, if they come out and play the way they're capable of playing, I think they win going away. Right, this is the only team in the league that's scoring over 30 points a game, and they're scoring 32, almost 33. So, yeah, I mean, they can run up the points. You know, again, like, Noel Thorpe's off uh, defense has been praised the last couple of games, but I haven't been overly blown away. They're, they're giving up way too many points to, to weaker offenses. In any case, um, right, let's go on. Now, this is the game I like, not just for the obvious reasons, but um, this uh, we've been talking about this for most of the podcast. Edmonton Eskimos, four and a half point favorites at Montreal. Now I'm gonna just go ahead and give it away. Montreal is a plus one seventy five on the money line. That's the win straight up. That's a good bet in my estimation. I would not be surprised at all to see the Alouettes win this game. Uh, they're hot right now. Uh, I'm going to bet that 
the GM slash president situation doesn't affect the on-field stuff that Kari Jones has going on right now, especially on the defense, like I keep saying. Um, I'm going to take Montreal to win outright. I would definitely take them plus the four and a half because I think it's going to be a close one. It is going to be a close one. I, I feel like Edmonton pulls it out, but I think Montreal gives enough of a good showing that you go, okay, they're at two and three, but I feel comfortable with how they're playing. I just don't know if they have the defense to keep Harris out of the end zone right. like we've been talking about. I don't know if they have the defense that makes that one play uh, inside the 20 that makes seven turn into three, three or four times. Winnipeg, Winnipeg gives the blueprint. You let them have the ball. You let them complete the passes. You let them get their 5.5 yards most of the time. But, but Ben don't break. Second, ben don't break. Second, right? uh, second down and four. If it's an incomplete right. pass, you get the ball back. Right. That's the thing. That's the template to do that. Now, I believe Montreal has impressed me lately. I believe they have the defense to do that. I, I think they can do that. I think they're one of the teams in the league that can do that. Uh, I think you might just see Edmonton win the time of possession battle, but I think Montreal could win. And I'd really like to see that for more than just my own <laughs> sake. I, 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 it'd be nice to come on the show next week and have you be happy about your team. Yeah, that would really give the, the Bombers some breathing room, especially if they win, huh? Two-game advantage? Over, over both of these teams? Over Calgary and the Eskimos? Nice. Nice. All right. We finished the weekend with, uh, and we were talking about this last week, and I, and I can't believe it's coming to fruition. This is an elimination game. <laughs> well, Peace, the, Lions, home, the home and, and, home, the home, and home series is anyway. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Okay. Let's say this is the elimination series. Uh, BC Lions four and a half point underdogs at Saskatchewan. Uh, wow, Joe, who you like, man? This is too tough for me. I don't know. Why you asking me for? <laughs> no, seriously. If I had to pick, and I do, since this is a pick'em segment, I'm going to say Saskatchewan for two reasons. Uh, one is the home field advantage, which I completely screwed up two weeks ago. So just. You know, forget that ever happened. But the home field advantage in the first game of this series, and the fact that BC just doesn't seem to have any part of their game together, I think Saskatchewan can put a could put things together a little bit quicker than BC is going to. So I think they jump out to the series lead this week. Uh, I think that's a good call. I'm going to go with Saskatchewan to win because the Lions have been disappointing me so much. Do you think that – okay, so basically most of this coaching staff is going to survive, right? In BC? It doesn't – Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they get it two years. I, they get two yeah. years. Maybe there's one or two that get picked off at the end of the first year if Clay Brooks doesn't believe that they're doing anything productive. Uh, but I don't. Th I think the full staff gets two full years, unless we're sitting at Labor Day next year and they're one and eight and they finish four and fourteen this year or something well, silly yeah. like that. But assuming even like a seven eleven um, setup for them over the next two years, where they're around that marker, 
I think they get the two full years before you have to start considering anything. So I wouldn't. I'm not even in that neighborhood to talk about changes yet. Right, right, right. So I it's was just a, thinking it's a very, very young coaching staff right. as far as coaching goes. Uh, right. That's why I didn't pick them higher in the West because I thought it would take them some time to gel. I thought they'd come out a little yeah. bit more together than they have, but I thought three and six was a possibility in the middle of the season, and I don't. I'm starting to wonder if that's even achievable. Yeah, see, I was an idiot for leaving the Insti team. And I'll tell you what, this doesn't bode well for my Lakers, man. <laughs> I just want to get that off my chest, man. i got to stop believing. I just won't bet on them because uh, I should not have bet on these Lions. However, I can believe that something insane is going to happen in this game. I certainly – I don't think I'll be betting on this game either, but it's tempting to take BC Lions plus four and a half. Because, um, I don't know. I, see, I, I mean, Joe, we were going to talk about tiers this week. We were going to talk about levels, how these teams are against each other. How good is Saskatchewan? They're not very good, are they? No. <laughs> right. If the playoffs started today, one bad team would be in the playoffs. That's pretty disappointing. Yeah, and it would be out of one because they won a game that either team won, wanted to win in week one. <laughs> That's why we play 18 games instead of four or five, I guess. Yep, that is correct. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to your Lakers, just don't listen to Journey when you're thinking about betting on them. <laughs> what are you trying to give my money to Las Vegas? Come on now. What are you? What are you? An agent? What are you? An affiliate marketer? Come on now. All right, Joe. Uh, why don't you take us out of here? Actually, wait just a second. So we've got all the same picks except you've got Edmonton. All right, posterity's sake, Joe, take us out of here. Uh, I hope somebody writes a book about what ha- what's going on in Montreal right now because it sounds like it'd be a great read on a winter day where it's snowy and crappy and gray and ugly and you got the fireplace on. It, it, it would give me an intriguing Sunday just to sit there and go, wait, what happened? But what was going on? But, you know, but, that's like 30 years in the future after all this but it, goes down. But it's July. <laughs> and... Could you really make a book out of that? A book? Oh, you could probably make a book about the mismanagement of that franchise for the last, yeah. I don't know, decade? Well, since Calvio. Since Calvio. Well, I speaking mean, of mismanagement, how long does Jim Pop have left? Yes, that's a very good question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the best slash worst thing that ever could have happened to him was winning that Grey Cup for Toronto because, wow, now he's in an untenable, again, financial situation. Again, we're taking it back to the finances of the Alouettes, but you're looking at several teams now that have untenable financial situations. Toronto is one of them. They can't draw anybody to pay even if they were hitting the salary cap. And, well, I'm sure they're hitting the salary cap, but... um, you can see why it's so difficult to do so. Um, in any case, <sighs> poor Toronto. <laughs> I'm Oz Davis. Let's take us out of here. I want to do this, though, because we don't do this nearly often enough. Joe, you can be reached on Twitter at USFL Techmo. 
Okay, I'm going to say I can be reached at Twitter, at least right now, on OzDavis42. That's O-S-D-A-V-I-S-4-2. Uh, but that's going to change really soon. i got to repurpose my Twitter life. In any case, let's get out of here for the Rouge, White, Blue CFL podcast. I'm Oz Davis for my co-host, Joe Pritchard. We are out of here. Talk to you next week. Enjoy the games. Hi, I am. 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 H